0: This edition of eternal leadership has been brought to you by refer.com. If you want more clients and more business, check out refer.com. You can receive a free report on the five biggest referral killers. Just go to refer.com slash eternal leadership. And when you're there, you can try it for free for 14 days. As
1: a tax coach, I'm going to give you the end result first. I get to be a tax superhero. So i have a backup now. I no, I those. love having
2: those two words in the same sentence. I know most
1: people. I like, go,
0: oh, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Eternal Leadership, a show dedicated to equipping and inspiring leaders to accomplish what God has created in them. I'm Steve Ryder, and since we are in the thick of tax season, my partner John Ramstead and I wanted to bring you this interview with tax coach Diane Gardner. Diane covers basics and more advanced topics that we all need to be thinking about, not only for this tax season, but for future tax seasons in whatever stage of business you're in. So here's how John got this conversation started on this edition of Eternal Leadership.
2: All right, today on the Eternal Leadership podcast, we have Dan Gardner. Diane, welcome to the podcast.
1: John, thanks so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to spending some time with you and your listeners today.
2: Now I am too, because you know, the feedback we got from our listeners was in a number of different areas, but one of the consistent themes is how do I just build a better company, a healthier company, have more revenue to work with so I can, you know, grow the company, bless others. And Diane, the reason I'm really excited about having you on today is you're kind of in a very unique kind of elite role as a tax coach. There's not very many people that are out there that are tax co- coaches, and I'll let you explain what that is. Um, you know you 've been a CPA for a long time best selling author you 've written some great books and we 're going to have links uh, in our show notes to all this so I encourage people to go and check this out uh, you know just from stand apart why didn 't my cPA tell me that um, can 't wait to dig into that I have looked through or read your book on uh, stop overpaying your taxes uh, and there are some uh, great approaches and techniques in there, and you're just a, a great woman of faith, and I know that this is just going to be a, an interview that's really helpful to people, so thank you for taking the time and being here, I'd love to start and just have people just get to know you a little bit, Diane, so if you, I'd love for you just to share a little about your journey and your background.
1: Well, John, I'm going to say that I've been in business since not too long after I got out of college. doesn't mean I've always done it well, I've made some really, really bad mistakes, and Hopefully have learned from them over the years. Um, Twenty years ago, I moved back home to northern Idaho. And at that point, I just wanted to be a stay-at-home mom and have run this small little business from my home, but my plans got changed. And I found myself being a single parent with a small little tiny little business, and I had to get serious about it and had to figure out how to immediately take this business and get out there and find a bunch of new people that I could help serve. Because as an accountant, the main reason we go into business is to help others, to serve others, to make their lives easier, make their businesses run better. So we've learned a lot along the way. I've had to learn how to market my business um, thanks to the recession that we all made it through. I've had to learn how to become an author That is not something that comes naturally for me. I'm not naturally gifted in that area, but with God's help, I now have, um, I think I'm up to nine books. A few of them have not been actually published yet because we're in the final editing processes and stuff like that on it. I've had to learn how to do interviews. I've had to learn how to do seminars. I've had to learn how to do all these really painful things for this kind of a quasi-shy, introvert-type accountant so God has always given me the strength and he keeps pushing me out of my comfort zone. So I know better than to ever let myself get comfortable because as soon as I do, then here comes the next area that I have to go try to figure out how to make it work. So that's just a little bit about my backstory and why you're interviewing um, an accountant who's a tax coach.
2: <laughs> well, there's so much to unpack there. I'd love to bring you back a little bit and just think about, um, and there's probably so many people that can relate. Your your are your your schedule's crazy. You're a single mom. Your um, your daughter, right? Right, huh? You know your daughter is depending on you, but you realize you have to learn all these skills. What was some of the biggest challenges you had as you uh, started to move forward into that, going through this?
1: Well, mainly was carving out enough time because mm-hmm. I was already busy. I was really involved in our church. I was running our missionettes program at church at that time period. I was involved in my daughter's school activities. We were involved in 4-H. And on top of all that, I had to learn how to market my business. I mean, the world was crashing down around me. My clients were going out of business right and left back in 2008 and 2009. And what was I going to do? You know, I was just, I remember sitting here in tears. I had just bought my building, a commercial building that houses my business in 2007. So, of course, I bought it at the top. And going, God, what am I, I going to do? You opened the door for me to buy this business. What am I going to do? I, I was just in tears. I didn't know what to do. And like everything else in life, he, you know, he's always said, my grace is sufficient. Just, just take mm. the next step. Just take that next step. And so my next step was I enrolled in a guerrilla marketing class that met like two different nights, like a Tuesday and a Thursday night type thing. And that kind of put me on the road to what is the next step. And from there, I found a book. And from there, I found a webinar. And from there, I found, you know, various little things as he's led me along this path to where now I think I'm a pretty good marketer, especially considering I'm an accountant, because (laughs) the bar is really low in the accounting field.
2: (laughs) That's true. Well, you know something that I'm hearing though, uh, where a lot of people, well, there's a disconnect though. Uh, you, you, you know, you went, you took the class on guerrilla marketing. You, you know, you found books, you found the webinars, but you clearly took the information from that and you applied it. Definitely. What do you think the difference is between you applying that and some other people that are maybe still at that plateau or that are stuck and just need to move forward?
1: I'm gonna say. If you pick up the book, The, the um, Slight Edge by Jeff Olson.
2: Mm, great. He, that he talks a fantastic about, book.
1: It is, yeah. He has that little um, drawing in that book where he's got that arrow going along and it's just pretty level. and all of a sudden it just has a dramatic upturn or a dramatic downturn. And for those who bump along in life and who never ever apply what they've learned, they appear to be just going along status quo, and then all of a sudden, here comes that point, and they kind of head over the cliff on that downturn. On the flip side, if you're constantly applying something out of everything that you, that you hear, all of a sudden, you start making that dramatic up curve. And when you hit that point and you start climbing the up curve, things start happening in your business, in your personal life, in your walk with God, in your family. It doesn't matter. Things start happening. And it's pretty exciting to be on that that um, part of of the line.
2: You know, that book. I, I'm I'm glad that you brought that up. That slight edge. I I, I read that years ago, and it was pivotal for me at, at the point that I read it to actually find that upturn in in what I was doing. It was actually the same period of time, 2008. I was in financial services, as you can imagine. That was a rough place to be, just like probably you being a CPA at that time Mm -hmm. with people going out of business. And I would really recommend that book to people.
1: So I think it's a book you need to reread maybe every three or four years just to keep that foremost in your thoughts that you are implementing something constantly. Um, I always say I have to find one nugget out of every book, out of every webinar, out of every speaker I hear. There has to be one nugget, and then I have to act on it.
2: Well, that's the key, is finding the nugget and then acting on it. And I I know you're a big proponent of mastermind groups and that you run some mastermind groups. And you know, having those people around you to help you hold you accountable, to help you get some clarity on what that nugget is and how to apply it and what you're doing, uh, I think can be uh, a difference maker on whether people really get to that next level or just kind of bump along. You bet. Now, I'd love to ask you, uh, what exactly is a tax coach, Dan?
1: Oh, I love this question. A tax <laughs> coach, as a tax coach, let me give you the end result first. I get to be a tax superhero. So I'm a backup now. A tax. Now coach, I love
2: having those two words in the same sentence.
1: I know, isn't that? Most people like, go, oh, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so then I'll back up. Okay. A tax coach is, is a professional, a tax professional, who comes along beside you as a business owner. And I get to look for mistakes and missed opportunities on tax returns. I love to get my hands on a QuickBooks backup and be able to get in there and do some digging and, and find areas that people are missing write-offs and deductions because they are living in the world of I don't know, that I don't know. And then couple that information with what I know, and we sit down and I'm able to put together a plan for them that will cover the next three to five years and set them up for some guaranteed savings over the next three to five years, and watch that tax liability go down. I've had them I have you know smaller clients that we can save. maybe it's only three to five thousand dollars a year in tax, but to them that's huge. And then I've got my clients that I've been able to save thirty or $35,000 in tax each year, year after year, year after year, after year. And so they no longer dread meeting with me. We're looking forward to, well, how much tax did we save this year? And it's, it's such a fun area to get to practice in, in a otherwise very boring type of business.
2: Well, you know, and I, I always think of it, you know, as a coach, It's somebody who's taking you from where you are now, let's say... Uh, a healthy place and bringing you to uh, a better place it's forward-looking and somebody who's a partner in your business the partner where you're growing and I think you know with all the CPAs we and here's where I, I see the differences um, I you know I think if you're sitting on a ship most CPAs are sitting on the fantail and they can tell you everything that you've done where you've gone what you know what steering changes have happened but they're not up in the pilot house looking forward and saying you know what here's what we need to do to be proactive here's where we need to go let me have some input on our strategy and the course that we're setting is that is that a fair statement
1: you bet yes and i love that story that's a a great way of putting it and it's so fun to be up in the steering area along with the client and we're watching this stuff happen and i'm checking items off the implementation checklist and their eyes are getting big as they're watching the results in fact, my, one of my very first tax plans, when I called the client to tell him his tax savings at tax time when I did his tax return, he got really quiet on the phone for a little bit, and I'm thinking, uh-oh, what happened? And after a bit, he goes, Diane, he goes, I really wasn't sure if you could pull this off. I huh? figured I would play along because I figured you must know what you're doing, but I really wasn't sure you could pull this off. And he was just amazed at what some difference some planning could do in his business.
2: Well let's talk about some of that because a big portion of our audience are business owners and entrepreneurs, you know working with so many different companies uh, in in different areas, you know what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see people making uh, that really can cause them problems? They're, they might not even be aware that they're even doing some of these things. Well,
1: first, the biggest mistake is, is lack of planning. People get so busy in their businesses and they're just, you know, working like crazy and trying to get to whatever the next level is and that type of thing that they don't even stop and think and, and realize that they couldn't plan their way to a lower tax liability. So that's the biggest mistake. And then after that, I see a lot of businesses that are either in the wrong entity type or have outgrown their entity type. And that can cost thousands of dollars in tax every year. And that's a very eye-opening analysis when we sit down and look at that side of the business and look at are you in the best entity fit for the type of business that you're in, for the type of liability exposure that you have, for those types of things, as well as looking at it from the tax side. And people always will look at me and go, wow, I had no idea that I was wasting that money every year. And I've been in business for, you know, 10, 15, 20 years, whatever it might be. And I have wasted that much money over the years. And it's like, yeah, let's change it. Let's do something about it. So those are the two biggest ones. And then there's a whole lot of other small ones, if you want me to keep kind of going down my little laundry list.
2: Well, you know, I think the entity thing, uh, you know, that comes up a lot. I work with, you know, a, a lot of coaches and solopreneurs, entrepreneurs that are kind of getting started. In you know, other established businesses, right, you know, and they're trying to figure out whether it's a sole proprietorship, an LLC, an S Corp. Uh, some of these companies have a C Corp. Uh, how would you, in the context of, you know, this interview, just share how to how, what's the best way for people to think through that decision because it definitely has long-term consequences.
1: It does, right. I always start, first of all, from the liability side of it and I'm not an attorney, so I'm not giving legal advice, but from the liability side of the business, what is the potential for liability? Because if there is a potential for liability, then we definitely don't want to be operating as a sole proprietor or a general partnership because neither one of those entity types offer any liability protection. So at that point, then we want to look at an LLC or a corporation at some point, something along those lines. Then uh, then after we've kind of looked at the liability side, then we look at the tax side of it. From the tax side of it, is this business making some money? Because I realize that in some businesses it takes two, three, four, five years before they really start making some money because you have to build your list. You have to you know, find all your clientele and that type of thing. But once they start making some money, and then let's say they're clearing, oh, 50000 or $60,000, $70,000 a year, and that's without factoring in you know, the owner taking a salary or anything, now they're at the point where we can start doing some planning with them. And now it starts maybe maybe becoming advantageous to move into one of those other entity types because there are costs associated with having a separate entity because there's a separate tax return. Then there's potentially some payroll that has to be processed and some additional record keeping and that type of stuff. So we want to look at it, you know, do the tax savings kind of outweigh the additional costs? And at some point, the answer is yes. Then you start looking at benefits. Are various types of benefits important to this particular business or the particular individual? And if certain benefits are more important than others, then certain entity types work better with those benefits than other types do. So we just kind of go down this this little checklist that I have, and eventually it shakes out at the bottom as to it looks like this business should be operating at this type of of an entity.
2: Well, you know, there's so many questions I have. Let's maybe dive into a couple of these. You know, first of all, you know, with all the talk about healthcare and medical plans, um, if I'm not working for a traditional company where I have my insurance through my employer, uh, how do you integrate that in as an employer, even if it's, you know, uh, 20 people or less, five people or less?
1: Probably the best way to integrate that is to look and see if the business might qualify to be able to set up a medical expense reimbursement plan. They work best with a single owner business who's married, but sometimes we can't make that happen, so we have to look at other avenues and options, but there is It's called a Section 125 plan, and it's in the IRS code, and it allows you the ability to write off 100% of your out-of-pocket medical expenses through your business. So if we can make that work, that's a great strategy for taking dollars that you're already paying anyhow, after-tax dollars, and moving them into a pre-tax situation. And if we can't make that work, then we'll look at a health savings account because sometimes i just can't make the medical expense reimbursement plan work for a business. So, we try to as much as possible, you know, be able to move those medical expenses into the world of your business and be able to write them off and take them as a as a pre-tax deduction.
2: Now, i, I would like to say that, you know, we went through that planning process and the health care plan we have through the Ramstead group is a section 125 plan. And it has been, it's just been a huge benefit for us to be able to run all that through the company. Do you have resources and things like that we can put in the show notes for this, Diane, for people to get educated on that?
1: I have some resources. I can help them draft the plan documents themselves. I work with a couple other companies who will actually be the intermediary. If you have more than just the um, owner and a spouse, then we have to work with a third party to be able to make it work because of all the yep. HIPAA laws. Mm-hmm. So I, I can share some of those resources, sure.
2: Okay, that'd be great. And we'll have all of Diane's contact information in the post. So if anyone wants to get in touch with you, Diane, that's okay?
1: You bet. Mm-hmm.
2: Wonderful. Now, how about this? Because I've actually been thinking about this for this summer. Is hiring? I have an 18-year-old and a 16-year-old uh, son. I'd love to include them in my business. I'd love their help don't really know how to employ a family member or a minor. It's actually something I've been thinking about, so I figure this is a, a perfect time to ask you because I'm sure this is something many of our listeners are, might be in that same situation. What are, your, what are your thoughts on that area?
1: Oh, this is another strategy that I just love to do because at 16 and 18 particularly, they're wanting to go to football camp, um, soccer camp, Wrestling camp, whatever it my son, might be. My son's
2: hockey camp.
1: <laughs> hockey, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, hockey, or, you know, they want to go on that trip to Europe with their class, their French class, or whatever it might be. There's always something out there that's got a ka to it. And as, a, as an entrepreneur, if we can come up with a way to use, utilize our children in our business, once again, we're taking money that we're spending anyhow after-tax dollars and moving it into a pre-tax situation. IRS says that child has to be at least seven years old to be able to work in your business. So your sons definitely are old enough. But then we have to go a little further than that. We actually have to put together a job description. You need to have a timesheet. And you need to pay them what you would pay somebody else to do that job, whatever it might be, and then make it you know work for their age. So there are a few little you know, dotting of the I's and crossing of the T's we have to do to make this strategy work. But it's another one when it works really well, it works really well. And it's, I just love to watch my clients be able to utilize that. And then you can take the money that you pay them. You, you, you do have to cut an actual payroll check. Yep. And you can drop it into a custodial account that your name is on along with them. And it makes a nice way to pay for those extra camps. It makes a nice way to start putting some money away for college. Any of those types of things by making it a pre-tax deduction instead of an after-tax deduction.
2: Is there any gotchas or things to watch out for when you're doing that?
1: Well, depending on different entity types, if you're a sole proprietor and the child is 18 or under, you don't even have to withhold Social Security and Medicare. So that's kind of cool. But if you're in a corporate-type entity, then they are just like any other employee as far as withholding and stuff go. So... Mainly the thing to watch out for is just making sure that you're doing it correctly. You've really set them up on payroll right along with your other employees, and you're actually cutting them a check. You can't just write the check to the uh, hockey camp out of your business and say, you know, call it payroll. That doesn't work. So you really have to just do it the way you would pay any other employee, and then make sure that what they're doing is something that's age-appropriate.
2: All right, perfect. Now, another area that we found some real benefits of having our own, because it's my wife and I that own the company uh, as a small business, so um, uh, hopefully this will resonate with some others out there, but uh, retirement planning. Uh, there are some big benefits, and I'd love for you to share what is possible for uh, business owners of, of small companies and some, some, some tools that are available to them.
1: Oh, there's some great, great planning strategies in that area. We've got things from as and as easy to implement as a SEP with a Simplified Employee Pension Plan, which works really well for sole proprietors and general partners. Um, EVA works for S-Corps and LLCs where you're able to just quickly and easily make a, a deposit into that account. It can even be done after the calendar year is over with. It has a probably the most flexibility of all of them, and then you may have heard of a simple plan. And a simple plan allows a smaller business with employees to be able to take some payroll deductions throughout the year, and it still doesn't really cost much of anything to get it set up and open, and you don't have to file any additional paperwork with the IRS or any of that kind of stuff. So the simple and the SEP are probably the most affordable out there, because there's no additional cost really involved with them. And then moving on up the ladder is the 401K, and you can have a solo 401K if you're the only person in your business, So you can have a um, little bit more of a traditional type 401K, but 401Ks do have some expenses tied to them, and they have some annual reporting to the IRS because they're a true qualified plan. So on these various retirement plans, the maximum that you can put away is $53,000, and that's on the 401k, as well as I believe it's the SAP allows you to go that high. Simple's a little bit lower. So depending on the type of business that you have, we look and see which one of those retirement plans might be the best fit, and then start assisting you with helping, with starting to put away some money towards retirement planning, because it sneaks up on you faster than you ever would think possible. But all of a sudden now you're looking at retirement is like in five or ten years away, and what have I done? Have I have I not been you know diligently putting money away towards that over the years? And I kind of get a few people with the deer in the headlights look when we start heading into that part of the analysis.
2: Well, you know, if you look at you know some of the traditional plans right that have caps at you know eighteen thousand a year, twelve thousand five hundred dollars a year. But what you're talking about is, you know, getting the right. This is this gets back to tax planning. If you look at the structure of the company, your revenue. But if you could put away fifty-three thousand dollars per person, if you had that kind of extra cash flow, um, that really makes a difference over time, as that adds up and, um, you know, in a qualified plan for your retirement. So I'd really encourage people to take the time, get some advice, you know, by, like Diane or the person that they're working with. And if they don't, if you don't feel like they're up in the pilot house with you, call Diane. Uh, because that is a huge benefit, what you talked about. I don't know if people realize that, but that is a significant, um, if you can afford, if the business can afford it, amount of extra money every year going into retirement planning, which can make the the huge difference between you know, a, a stressful retirement, and, uh, and a re, or a retirement that really covers your needs.
1: Oh, you bet, yes. And in addition to making the retirement less stressful, you get to recruit some tax savings along the way. So that's pretty cool too.
2: Now, question for you: A lot there's so many entrepreneurs out there. Everybody's doing business. There's a lot of similarities, even uh, across different business models, and whether it's products or services, but. What do you think some of the biggest areas of tax planning that people miss?
1: I think we've touched on the biggest areas. Okay that actually you know, recoup the biggest tax savings to somebody. You know, there's a lot of smaller areas out there, like making sure that you're recording your mileage and you've picked up all your meals and entertainment and you've documented things well and we've looked at business use of home. But those are all smaller deductions. The biggest ones are your entity type, your retirement. Some of those are could be just astronomical as far as the difference it can make on your tax return.
2: Right. Well, that's a great way to reinforce that. And, you know, I know, I know we talked about, but, you know, before we started, um, just about a prayer that you've had every day, Diane, just, uh, God, give me the wisdom. And I'd love maybe just share a little bit too. There's a lot of business owners that listen to this that are, that are, that are Christians that are just trying to bring their faith into what they do and how they do it to serve their clients, whether they're believers or not. And I'd love for you to just share a little bit about, you know, how you've done that.
1: Okay. Um, I know as I was a younger person, I've always said, you know, back when we learned about King Solomon, he always had this prayer that, you know, God would make him wise, would give him the wisdom. And back as a teenager, I remember telling myself, well, if that prayer is good enough for King Solomon, it's definitely good enough for me. And I've tried to always ask that every single day. God, please give me the wisdom. I am not a Brain, I am not anything, you know, super special. I'm not, you know, really gifted type of a person or anything like that. I'm just a pretty average kind of person. But God, give me the wisdom. Help me to understand this stuff, especially once I chose accounting as my career. Help me to understand this tax code stuff. Help me to understand how I can take this information and turn around and help others with with this this really tough type information, but yet be able to explain it in a way that they can get it, they can understand it. And so that is my prayer each and every day. God, give me the wisdom that I need today. Give me the wisdom that I need tomorrow so that I can help my clients. I can make a difference in their lives. And I know as I head into tax season each year, my prayer is, God, help me to keep my ears open. As I'm in tax appointments, help me to be listening and not get so caught up in the tax side of this conversation, but that I forget to listen because it's really, really rewarding for me. If I can encourage somebody, if I can pray with them during a tax appointment, if I can just be there, point them in the direction of somebody who can help them in addition to helping them work on their taxes and actually do a tax return for them.
2: So you're really listening, and you know what? when you're having those conversations with people, what has really allowed you to, to serve them in that way?
1: I think just being willing to listen, being willing to work off of their agenda, God's agenda, and not just mine. Mm -hmm. Because I can walk into a tax appointment with a preset thing in my head of, you know, this is what we're going to talk about. And nine times out of ten, I rarely ever even get to what I think I'm going to talk about because there's usually something more important. And Mm -hmm. my clients come to me for the relationship side of things, not because I'm a great tax preparer or, you know, any other thing like that, it's the relationship side because they know I really care about them mm. and they know that I will stop and I'll listen and I will try to, you know, share anything that I can, even if it's just an encouraging word or a hug or whatever. Uh, but as I, you know, as I work nationwide now, I have to really be able to convey more of that through the phone or, or through Skype or whatever. It's a little bit harder than it was when everybody was just here in our local geographic area but just that I will stop and take the time to listen and that I really care and that I pray for my clients.
2: It sounds like relationships is something that's very important to you, Diane.
1: Very much so. And that's part of the way that I stand apart as an accountant because a lot of accountants really tend to not have really great personalities or kind of ho-hum and maybe even a little bit boring. Um. (laughs) (laughs) No,
2: that is not a typical stereotype. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> but but if you can be a little different, if you can really show the human side of you, show the side of you that really cares, and that starts really making you, makes me stand apart from my competitors. And it also, the fact that I, that I um, try to be really patient with people and listening to what they have to say and explain things to the best of my ability in non-accounting language, has really made a big difference over the years. And I hear that all the time is you explain that in a way that I really understood and you didn't make me feel stupid in the process.
2: Well, I think, you know, there's some great learning points there. Uh, You know, instead of, you said you go into a meeting sometimes with a very clear agenda about what you want to accomplish. Uh, But you put yourself in the place to be open to really listening and hearing Really, what's their agenda? What's really important to them in that moment? How can you serve them in that? And still, you know, professionally get done what, what you need to do. Uh, and I think if we, that, you know, that is the heart. When we have that, uh, you know, John Maxwell always says, you have to connect before you can pull.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And it sounds like that is something you've been really intentional about connecting with people. Is that?
1: definitely. Definitely. So,
2: yeah. You know, as we, as we wrap up, what are just some key takeaways you'd love to just share with the, the business owners, and the audience that have been listening in?
1: Well, one of the takeaways I would say is when you're feeling like everything around you might be falling apart or it's not going in the direction you want it to go in and you're just not really sure what to do is just never give up. Mm. Because that has been my mantra over the years. I've survived a major earthquake that leveled over half our town and still had to, you know, keep going with my business. I've survived a very, very messy divorce. And just, you can't give up. You have to just keep moving forward. You have to keep being there to serve others and help others and keeping God foremost in your life. What do you want me to do? Where are we headed, Lord? This This isn't my business. I'm just a steward of it. Those types of things all all circle around together, and they help make you the person that God wants us to be in the business world.
2: Mm, I love how you sum that up. Um, and how do people find you? Where Where are you at on the Internet? How do they get in touch with you, learn more about you, Diane?
1: The best place is go out to my website, www.taxcoachforyou.com, and out there I've got all kinds of free resources. They can pick up a free copy of one of my books, This is the 10 most expensive mistakes that cost business owners thousands. And that's kind of my little laundry list of areas that I start with when I'm doing task planning with people. And then if they're looking for more help on the traditional accounting side of stuff, uh, my other website is www.adeptbusiness.biz, B-I-Z. So both of those sites have a lot of great information that I just love to share with people.
2: And it's tax coach, the number four, then you correct?
1: It is, right. And and if you typed it in the other way, it would still get there.
2: Okay, good for you. All right, I'll have all those links in uh, the show notes. I really encourage people to to read Diane's book um, and get in touch with her if you have any questions. And uh, if there's anything we can do to serve you at all, Diane, please let us know. And thank you so much for making the time today.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me on your show. It's been a lot of fun just connecting with you and connecting with your with your listeners.
2: Yes, thank you. Have a have a wonderful and blessed day.
1: All right, you too.
0: If you'd like to learn more about Diane, the tax coach, just go to our show notes at eternalleadership.com/104. That's eternalleadership.com/104. This edition of Eternal Leadership has been brought to you by Refer.com. When John was building a $300 million book of business for his financial advisory firm, he used to use spreadsheets, calendars, CRM, etc. to manage relationships and get business and referrals. Refer.com automates all that work in relationship management. Both John and I use Refer.com and we can't recommend it highly enough. Go ahead and try it for free for 14 days at refer.com slash eternal leadership. And as I said at the top, if you go to that link, you can receive a free report on the five biggest referral killers. Refer.com slash eternal leadership. Next time on Eternal Leadership, author, speaker, and leadership consultant Brad Lominick. You know, the more real you are, and the more self-aware and authentic you are, actually the more currency you have as a leader. Like you're the old days, that was not necessarily true because people would tr- sort of try to hide things they weren't great at or they, they would push things behind the curtain or and, and, you know I've heard Pat Lencioni say this so many times you know the never let him see you sweat that used to be the phrase yeah, as a leader now no it's doubt. oh wait check out these pit stains I got man look at that that's amazing <laughs> right <laughs> we've heard from a few of you requesting for us to bring him on and we listened for John Ramstead. I'm Steve Ryder, and thank you for listening to eternal leadership.